Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, on our last episode, we spent a fair amount of time talking about some of the comments Aaron Rodgers made at his locker following the last public OTA practice of the spring. But one area that he touched on that we didn't quite get to was what he said about the Packers' young cornerbacks, specifically Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, the top two draft picks. And with his tongue at least partly planted in his cheek, he sort of tossed out a warning like, hey, I'm coming after you guys in training camp. This could get pretty interesting in uh, late July. What do you think? This is the thing I enjoy the most uh, as we're getting <laughs> done with the offseason program. You always think every year about who's most excited about training camp. It says probably a lot about your football team when it's your 14th year quarterback <laughs> is the one that is most excited about the upcoming training camp. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, without a shadow of a doubt, I don't want to speak for you, for me personally, in all the years I've covered sport, he's the most competitive person I've ever seen. I think that goes almost without saying. Yeah. I, would, I, would, I would have to agree. So, you know, there's a lot of hooting and hollering going on over in the cornerbacks and defensive back side of the locker room. Jair Alexander, not short on confidence whatsoever. Josh Jackson, not as vocal, but you can tell a very confident individual yeah. as well. Aaron Rodgers is looking forward to this. And I'll say this, too. That competition, that's something I think we really need to see. I, I mean, when you're getting into training camp, you need both of those two sides, offense, defense, pushing and pulling against each other. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to bring it. And the nice thing is, regardless of how this turns out, those two young quarterbacks are going to be going against the game's very best. Yep. There is no better way to get ready for a season than have that kind of opportunity. Yeah, if you're Mike Pettin, you absolutely love the fact that your top two draft picks, those two young cornerbacks on the defensive side, are going to be able to get ready for their rookie season mm -hmm. in their rookie training camp going up against the best quarterback in the league. And it's a, it's an opportunity for them that, that they certainly don't take lightly. Alexander, I believe it was the prior week, he had an interception against Rodgers when we were there watching practice at the, uh, at, at the public workout. But even he said, he took it with a grain of salt, hey, it's just practice. I know guys are working on stuff as far as routes and timing and stuff. And he was pretty excited about that interception, though. And he said, you know, he just looks forward to making some more plays when they count. Yeah, and Ahmad Thomas also had an interception during that practice. And I think the jubilation and <laughs> celebrations that happened afterwards kind they of love it when they get Rodgers. They, they do. They, ab they absolutely love it. There's a lot of energy there, but <laughs> he, he's right. You do take it with a grain of salt, and one interception and one off-season program practice does not make a career. However, and I wrote about this in Insider Inbox this week, Mike, that is the thing that stands out to me, though, about Alexander. The, the small things that you can actually take out of this is his closing speed. It's remarkable. Yeah. And he has incredible quick twitch. And that interception that he had uh, seemed like there was a little miscommunication there between Rodgers and Geronimo Allison on a back shoulder. Yeah. But Alexander's ability to react to that and pick it off uh, in a red zone period, if this would have been a game simulation, that's a potential pick six. That really impresses me because it shows uh, headiness there with a young player, and it also shows the one thing you can't quite coach, which is even if you see it, can you get to it? And I think Alexander has shown he definitely has that kind of ability. Yeah, I mean, we heard when the Packers drafted him, 
all about his ball skills, and that yeah. was an, that was a perfect example of it when you mentioned the quick tw- twitch, the reaction to when he's got a chance to make a play on the ball, and in that particular instance, he made it. You mentioned his confidence before, the swagger, whatever term that you want to use. One thing that I think is interesting about these two guys, and I don't mean to continue talking about them like two peas in a pod, but in a sense that they're probably going to be connected like that throughout their Absolutely. careers in, in a lot yeah. of ways. But both of these guys strike me as very, very confident young players who believe that they belong in the NFL. They just carry themselves very differently in that respect. Alexander, much more outgoing. He, you know, he talks a lot. He, he does have a little bit of that swagger on the practice field. Josh Jackson, much quieter, much more reserved, but in my opinion, no less confident in what he can do out there on the field. Yeah, exactly. That is the thing that stood out to me. Even going back to the scouting combine when we were listening to him talk there yeah, in Indianapolis, yeah. he is very sure about himself and what his abilities are. He talked about himself in February as if he was the best cornerback in this draft class, even though he only had that one year of really true production as a starting cornerback at Iowa. Now coming to Green Bay, he said it since the beginning. I think there is a little bit of chip on the shoulder there for him, wanting to prove that he was the best cornerback, a first-round draft pick type caliber player. And yet he lasted till the middle of the second round, exactly. which the Packers felt was a great value pick to get him there. For sure. And if they didn't, they wouldn't have taken him in that spot, sure. you know, with already having Alexander. So with both of those young guys coming in, with Tremont Williams and Devon House coming back, Quentin Rollins made it back in the offseason program from the Achilles injury. They have 14 guys, I think I counted, in the entire secondary, including the (laughs) defensive backs, with NFL experience now, in addition to the young guys they brought in. They wanted depth at that position. They wanted to give themselves more cushion at that position. They accomplished that this summer. Now the task for Alexander and Jackson is going to be rising up that depth chart in training camp and showing that they can contribute right away. No question about it. With that, we'll go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Wes, last week, another topic that we didn't quite get to, maybe in the most timely fashion, but we heard for the first time, really since he was hired, uh, from new defensive coordinator Mike Pettin, and we got a little bit of insight into his philosophy, which also told us a little bit about how things have gone this offseason, both in free agency and the draft in terms of the Packers' priorities, because a very interesting thing that he said in talking about the pass rush is he values inside pass rush equally, if not more so, than the edge rush, which is where all the attention, obviously, is the Clay Matthews and the Nick Perrys of the world. But that inside pass rush, he's really building this defense, building this pass defense around collapsing the pocket, isn't he? He is. And when he said that, I honestly was fist bumping a little bit (laughs) because I've been trying to tell people this, that since January, you know, in the insider inbox and when people asked, because everybody thinks of pass rush, they think of outside linebackers, and rightly so. I get that that's a big part of the equation. But you got to look. The only thing we have to go off of until Petten talked last week was the fact that you – had these transactions, you had these roster moves. Yeah. So you have to be able to read the tea leaves a little bit there. 
Muhammad Wilkerson getting added at what could conceivably be the Packers' biggest position of strength. What does that tell you? Right. The fact that they drafted two cornerbacks with their first two picks when there were outside linebackers on the board. What does that tell you? Yeah. This is a part of the plan. They aren't just neglecting or or just att- you know diverting their attention away from certain areas. The Packers feel like if they have Clay Matthews and Nick Perry healthy, along with the returning players they have there, that is the necessary complement to the inside rush. The Packers went out. They got Wilkerson. They have Mike Daniels coming back off his first Pro Bowl, Kenny Clark coming off of a breakthrough season. The quickest way to the quarterbacks through the middle of the field. I say that time and time again. They feel like they have the horses to do it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this develops now because what it comes down to for any defensive coordinator is – in, in a scheme sense, he's trying to scheme things to get certain guys in one-on-one matchups. Yes. And then you win that one-on-one to get to the quarterback and disrupt the play, disrupt the timing, whatever it might be. Mike Patton likes his chances with Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Muhammad Wilkerson in some combination, maybe two of them on the field, maybe all three in certain situations at the same time. But one of those guys getting a one-on-one opportunity against an interior offensive lineman and beating him and getting to the quarterback. Now, the flip side of it is if the defense becomes so reliant on that inside pass rush, of course, offenses are going to adjust. They're going to start to take that away. But then that means your outside guys absolutely have to be able to win one-on-one. And now Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, we know their injury history. The guys who are behind them, when they're called upon, are going to have to step up and win those one-on-ones, whether you're talking about Chris Odom or Kyler Fackrell or Vince Beagle or Kendall Donerson, the seventh-round pick, who was the only edge rusher the Packers took in this last draft. At the end of the day, Wes, and I said this in our Insider Inbox column, it comes down to winning a one-on-one yes. because at some point the, D, the offense is going to take away what you do best, so then when you have a one-on-one somewhere, that guy's got to win. And this is the thing I look at too, Mike. Outside linebacker, they have Perry, they have Matthews. Two first-round picks have done it a long time at the league. Both have had over 10 sack seasons. The one difference, because everybody talks about 2014, 2015, 2016, the one difference is Julius Peppers. Mm-hmm. I don't care which way you break it down. He was the difference maker. He's not here anymore. But trying to act like the rotation is just suddenly so much different or just so much, una- so much more unaccomplished than in the past, that's a lie. That, that, that's, it's, not, it's not true. And I, I've said it time and time again. I've covered this team when Desmond Moses started six games at outside linebacker in 2012. Right. You've seen Frank Zombo starting on a Super Bowl team. Got a sack in the Super got Bowl. Got a sack. They got contributions from guys to complement what they had. Kyler Fackrell's a third-round pick. Vince Beagle's a fifth-round pick. They like what they have in Reggie Gilbert. If those guys, Gilbert, Gilbert was the other guy yeah. I was trying to think of, and I, I neglected to mention him. Yeah, I mean, those guys are going to factor into this. Kendall Donerson coming in as well. They have a core there. At the end of the day, they need Clay Matthews and Nick Perry to stay healthy, but I, it's one of the things that's really bothered me about this offseason, people asking repeatedly about the depth at outside linebacker. They've gone into seasons with less. Yeah. So I, I, we'll see how it goes. They're, they need it. There isn't a Julius Peppers type player there. I mean, there's only one of those guys in the entire league. But 
to act like this outside rush is just so much vastly different from when they won a Super Bowl or in 2011, it's it's not true. Yeah, and maybe the one guy as far as the inside pass rush that we don't even really know yet what he brings to the table is Montrevious Adams. Absolutely. A third-round yeah. draft pick Absolutely. last year. He's now in that mix with Daniels Clark, Wilkerson, and Dean Lowry, who's coming into his own now in his third season. So a lot to look forward to here. And Adams, the reason they drafted him in the third round last year, obviously there was a run block, you know, run defending element to it, but it was his pass rush, inside pass rush. They liked him there. They think he's explosive. He'll have a chance to show it now in training camp. All righty. With that, we'll go to another break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here. Wes Hodkowitz there. Wes, um, we talked a lot about Justin McCray and where he's headed now on this Packers offensive line and the opportunity in front of him. Another guy sort of lumped into that same category with McCray in some senses with the way things went last year is Lucas Patrick. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, he's going to be known as the guy who hit the line drive off Clay Matthews' face and broke his nose and sent him to the operating room for surgery and all that. But Aside from that, something I'm sure he doesn't feel too good about, and uh, he doesn't, and, and wishes and wishes wouldn't have happened. He does, but um, he's had an opportunity here this spring because Lane Taylor, starting left guard, has been out with an ankle injury. Packers being a little cautious with that, you know, kind of saving Taylor, just letting him get healthy for training camp. But that means Patrick has taken a lot of reps with the number one offensive line at left guard. Now I see him from a starting job perspective, competing at right guard yeah. with, with Justin McCray to try to get into the starting lineup. But whatever position, if you're taking reps with the number one offensive line, that's a good way to uh, to, to continue developing and, and progressing in your career. Yeah, and this is a young man too, Mike, that finished last season starting at right guard uh, when Jari Evans ended up having to sit out a couple games um, and you know dealt with the, the hand injury. He was wearing a club. He was knocking on wood that that won't be an <laughs> issue. He's had to deal with it twice now so far during his short tenure in Green Bay. Yeah. But here's the thing that's interesting about it, Mike. Him and Justin McCray are really good friends. They've developed into you know they're roommates. Uh, that you know they're just they've grown incredibly close, but yet their story has sort of been tied together the entire time. Last year it appeared that they both were competing for one spot. They end up both making the roster due to some injury uh, situations. Yeah, and both sort of came out of nowhere to contribute uh, in some shape or form or fashion. Patrick is probably one of the more unique stories you're going to find. I wrote about it last year. We talked about it on the show. The fact that he was a guy that when he graduated from Duke, a really productive career for them. Didn't even get an undrafted free agent offer. Uh, his only tryout opportunity was in Green Bay. Even then, he didn't get a contract out of rookie camp. He had to go back home, was planning the next step of his career, and it, you know, and then got the call back to football. And he's really not taken that for granted. His mindset has stayed the same the entire time. He's still a tryout guy trying to make the most of that. At the same time, he understands the opportunity before him right now in that both he and McCray not only are going to have a chance to potentially start at right guard, but have a chance to be that number five or number six guy on the offensive line. Yeah. And he said every single rep he's taken this offseason, he's gone back afterwards, he's talked with Lane Taylor, he's helping him walk through exactly all the progressions. Last year was a nice building block for him to come up and step up in spite of the club. But at the same time, he has loftier goals, and, and one of them is to you know go into training camp here and compete for a starting job. Yeah, I remember talking to him last year at the end of the regular season after he had he had essentially 
played the last two games yeah. because he, he stepped in after the very first snap of the Minnesota game in Week 16, played the rest of that game, and then started against Detroit. So those two games, the, the most important um, snaps that he's put on film in his NFL career so far, and he's doing it with a club on his hand. And yeah. I remember asking him, you know, so do you feel like, you know, you're even able to show in that film, like what kind of player you are? And and he said, no. I mean, he, he knows he can play better. He knows that if he's healthy and has the full use of both of his arms, both of his hands, that he's got more to give, even though he held up just fine in those in those two games considering all the circumstances. So this is an interesting guy to watch. As you said, teams are always looking for those reliable backups, swing guys that can play multiple positions if they don't crack the starting lineup, but uh, but they can be ready to step in there. Now, he's not a guy who has experience at tackle, but certainly on the on the interior, he's a guy who's going to have a very good chance to uh, um, to make his mark on the 2018 Packers. And he gives you versatility, too, because he picked up that center position along the way. Right. I, I go back to that Minnesota game, Mike. I still don't know how he wasn't just an absolute turnstile <laughs> uh, looking at those defensive tackles that they have, the yeah. stuff that Mike Zimmer throws at you, the fact that he was able to hold up to it. Really impressive, and you know, talking with about Patrick uh, with Corey Lindsley this past week, Lindsley said, you know, even though he was a tryout guy, you could see from the beginning that this guy belonged, and that there was something there that people just hadn't seen. And I think as time has gone on here, some of the stuff he's done this off season to increase his hip flexibility, uh, he's really showed that he's not. He wasn't a camp body. He's not a roster, you know, ed edge of the roster guy. He's a guy that's here to compete and, you know, hopefully, you know, turn this thing into a long career. All right. With that, we will go to another break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. Wes, final segment today. Definitely need to mention because we talked the other day about the fact that we were recording our 300th episode of mm -hmm. Packers Unscripted. For those who are the podcast listeners, not the television watchers, this is podcast number 300. There you go. And I know that's created some consternation about from the, the, the loyal podcast listeners. Well, where are these long-lost episodes that supposedly aired and we weren't able to listen to them on the website? Well, it's just a matter of timing. There were a couple of, I believe it was Monday episodes, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. before Monday Night Football. And, tr and a few preseason games. I yeah, at where... Because the podcast wouldn't be available until the next day because the game was played in right. between, it would be useless for podcast listeners to listen to a game preview after the game has been played. So they weren't podcasts, and that's why we have the discrepancy in the number of episodes versus the number of podcasts. But anyway... 300. Um, 300. Now we've hit 300 in both, yep. so, uh, so here <laughs> we go. But uh, to wrap up today, the Packers this past week did their annual team building exercise where they surprised the players and say, Hey guys, no practice today. Let's all hop on the bus and go have some fun somewhere. And they went back to an activity that they've done at other times in past years, which is to go clay shooting with, mm -hmm. uh, um, on, out at the, uh, out at a local range, uh, just outside of green Bay here in little Swamco, you went out to kind of take in some of the action and stay safe. But uh, uh, but what were your impressions of the whole excursion? Uh, Little Creek Lodge. I never, all my years of living in Green Bay in Northeast Wisconsin, I, obviously I'm not a big outdoorsman, so I didn't know it existed, <laughs> but it is out there. And it uh, it was a cool experience and it was fun. 
getting to see the guys that do this like recreationally, like Jake Ryan. Um, yeah, I've were... been I've been out there in the past in past years when they've done this, and there are some guys who are awfully good marksmen. There are three different types of players I figured out by the <laughs> being out there for two hours with them. They're the guys that do it recreationally. I think Jake Ryan among them. It sounded like Joe Carriage, although I didn't see him. It sounded like Joe Carriage is very good, the fullback. Um, there's the second guys, which are probably naturals to it, like Lance Kendricks. Kendrick said he doesn't really get out to you know these kind of ranges very often, but he credited his marksmanship to uh, Call of Duty. So the video okay. game, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Video game players. And then three, there's the guys that have never done this before. Uh, you know, fortunately, there's there's officers at every station that help them with loading and telling them what to do and with safety locks and all that. Uh, but they they are not going to hit the broad side of a barn. So uh, <laughs> seeing all those different types of personalities, it's interesting to watch. And, and I, I followed a couple groups around, including one with uh, offensive line coach James Campen. And Dean Lowry was one of those guys that he went basically half the day without hitting anything. But when he finally did, the entire group just went nuts. So yeah. it's those kind of small victories, too, in themselves that, that lead to some neat bonding experiences. Yeah, and if people wonder, okay, how does this actually you know, help in the, the team building and the bonding experience, they, they group these guys into teams for the day. They yeah. sort of have a very informal competition. But it's, uh, it's having offensive coaches on a team with defensive players. It's having wide receivers on a team with defensive linemen. Guys that they're not in the meeting rooms with each other. They right. don't know each other as well. It's a big football team. It's a 90-man roster. It's hard to get to know everybody. This is an opportunity based on how they pair guys up in the teams of four or five players and coaches for uh, for a little more interaction than maybe they would normally have through the course of a, of a football day. Yeah, there were several veterans I talked to that they're meeting some of these rookies and first-year players for the first time uh, during these excursions, and you find some interesting bonding opportunities among them. Chance to tell it, their stories. Absolutely. You know, get to know them. And they've done this in the past. They've gone bowling. They've had you know, Olympic type events, um, you know, going back to 2008, I think they did paintballing, dodgeball. Mike McCarthy always tries to find ways to sort of take guys out of their element a little bit. And then the nice thing about it too, as Lance Kendrick said, it's a day to get away from the practice field, which sometimes can go a long way for these guys. It definitely can. With that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.